Hi, and thank you for joining us for In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, State Clerk of the EPC. We pray that God uses Dean and his guests to inform and inspire you about the EPC and how God is working in and through our global movement of Evangelical Presbyterian Churches. The motto of our family of congregations is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. And thank you again, Rachel, as always, for those words that open up our conversation together. And welcome to In All Things, that podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I am your host and the stated clerk of the EPC, as Rachel indicated, Dean Weaver, and delight to welcome you back to this forum for yet another conversation. Uh, We drop every Friday uh, at all of your favorite podcast sites, whether it's Podbean or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or you can go to our website at epc.org and uh, get onto our resource page and download there. But we're grateful that you've joined us, that there's so many other things you could be doing with your time, just sitting down with that cup of coffee, and you could be listening to music, but you've chosen to join in this conversation as well. And I think you're going to be blessed by it today because really for the last couple of years, as we've been doing this podcast, it's all been in-house EPC discussion, broader application than just the EPC for sure. But we haven't really brought too many people in from outside the EPC But today we're doing that. We're bringing in Stephen Ballard, who works with OnlineGiving.org, which is a platform that we're switching to as a family of churches. But it's a service that can be provided for your church or for the Christian ministry, gospel ministry that you are serving. And uh, because things have changed out there in the giving world, the ways in which people give, the platforms in which people give, all of that has just completely changed. And so this might be something that would be a gift to you or to the Christian organization or church that you're a part of. So we're grateful to have Stephen Ballard in the studio with us. So Stephen, welcome to In All Things. Thank you. We're we're glad to be here. Glad y'all thought about us and love to have the opportunity to share. Great. Great. And we will get to that in just one second. But before we do, today's episode of In All Things is brought to you by the Administrative and Executive Pastor Network inside the EPC, led by our Chief Financial Officer, Pat Quilio. Once a year, we gather together a group of administrators and executive pastors out in Colorado to help service our congregations in the West, middle of the country, and the West Coast. And then we do one of those in the East Coast in Orlando, usually in the month of November. And that's actually why Stevens in the building because he's coming to learn more about the EPC and be able to meet with some of those executive pastors. But those executive pastors do a lot of networking together around the issues of what it looks like to really be able to administer and help with the daily operations of a church. And so they'll talk about all kinds of things, robust conversations about health insurance or campus safety or liability issues and things like online giving. And so if you have a a church that needs some encouragement or support around the areas of administration, uh, you should know in the EPC family of churches, you are not 
alone. One of the great beauties of this particular seminar and conference that we run every year is the best practices that are shared out among these congregations where we learn from one another about how to keep up with the things that are going to enable us to be good stewards in the leading of these churches. And perhaps if you have a need or concern, it could be one of those pastors and those churches that that helps you. But you could also contact the Office of the General Assembly where we have someone with expertise in technical support and Scott Blanchett, our IT lead, or maybe it's somebody with digital content creation. You reach out to Richie Cable, our digital content lead, or HR background for Marty Ratcliffe, who's got more than 25 years of HR experience to help you with all kind of things. So ultimately at the Office of the General Assembly, we are here to serve you. And whatever that need you have in terms of administration, we hope that we could be a gift to your church. Okay, and one of the ways we're doing that gift is by bringing you this podcast today and helping platform and publicize a ministry that could be a real blessing to you. And that has to do with this whole idea of online giving. So, Stephen, we're going to start with what is onlinegiving.org first of all. But then I want to go back and after you kind of help us understand who you guys are, I want to go back to like how the giving environment has changed. We used to pass the offering plate and and some still do, but increasingly many don't. There's a lot of different ways in which people are giving. And I remember having a robust conversation with the finance committee of the church I served for 15 years to get them into online giving when they were super hesitant at that at first. And now post COVID, everything has changed. So I want to start with who you are. Then we want to go back and rewind the tape and say, how did we get to this point. So tell us, uh, start with online giving and who you guys are. So online giving started, the software started about seven or eight years ago. We had been doing processing for churches prior to that, just helping them cut cost and streamline the the processing expenses so that there'd be more to go to the bottom line of, of the ministry. So after doing that for, we've been doing that for about 14 years, the software came about, the online giving software and it was a great kind of marriage. We were very aggressively priced and processing. My business partner who wrote the software came to me and just said, hey, look, I'm trying to find a solution where churches aren't being taken advantage of. And so that's how we came together. We obviously do giving, everything from mobile-friendly text giving, kiosks, the whole thing, but we are also an engagement solution as well. So churches have asked for us to expand our, our product line. And some of those things are like text marketing with the same text to give number you got. We have a full-blown church app and we've we've got a chat bot, church metrics. So all of these other features that came after the name online giving came because we listened to what the churches needed. Okay. And what church doesn't want to be good stewards of the resources that were given to them, be able to be more efficient in how they conduct some of these things and have more funds available for doing ministry, right? Correct. And that that was the biggest thing. Our first five churches that we worked with just in the processing industry, we're in in Nashville Marketplace, and just the first five churches, we saved them over $5,000 a month in processing fees. Wow. So, and they all had different processors. So it hit me, you know, this this is kind of an epidemic that the churches are being taken advantage of. So we launched into really trying to focus in and help the churches. For us, the more the church can save, the less it goes to the bank's bottom line, okay? That's more that's going into ministry to reach people for the gospel. Right. And 
You know, I wasn't called to be a preacher, although my dad was. I, I just use our abilities to help spread that in different ways. Right. Um, and so the church, whether it, we save them a hundred grand a year or 50 grand a year and they need to hire somebody because the church is needing another staff member that's doing ministry. Right. Or if it's taking that extra money that's been saved or generating new sources of funds because they're limited, that's more money going to spread the gospel. So uh, we have a lot of churches, Stephen, that are what would be considered smaller churches, right? We okay. have almost 72% of the APC congregations have under 200 members. Small churches listening in right now is thinking, oh, well, you're just offering services for the big church. This can't help us. No, we actually have plans where you could be a startup church from ground floor up. So we have churches that are coming on board last week. We had one that was 80 people a weekend. Yeah. And they had never had online giving before. It was new to them. I, I explained how it would work and being a new startup church, what to expect. Yes, there's a cost to doing it, but because of the ease of use, they will more than eclipse that cost to take electronic giving. Right. So not just pre-existing smaller churches could take advantage of this, but church plants. Uh, Correct. Building that in from the get-go. Yep. Okay. So let's just walk through some of the different things that you offer. Obviously, online giving, let's start there. That is a big one. I mean, prior to the pandemic, the number one way people gave was in the offering plate. And, and during the pandemic, many people had to kind of pivot and figure out how to go to online giving. And that went from some churches having 10, 20, 30% online giving to having, in some cases, 80, 90, 100% online giving. And it actually creates more consistency and flattens out these giving spikes, doesn't it? Correct. A great example was a startup church in Nashville that came on board and they had never done giving. They were about 200 people. And I remember the day I got the phone call and I remember her saying, she goes, we don't have to wonder if we're going to meet our bills. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she goes, we have enough reoccurring scheduled donations. We know at the beginning of the month, all of the numbers are met. Everything after that's extra for the ministry. And if you're a finance person, oh. having that assurance yeah. takes the load off, doesn't it? Absolutely. And that was my first experience in the impact that we had. And for them, when they came to us, they were about 80 people. But, you know, when she called me back, they'd grown and we've been in touch. And, and, and I just remember she called back about a year later and said, this has been a burden release. Yes, there's been times we, we're praying and God's always taking care of us, but to know that this is automated and set up and then all the extra goes to other ministry. Right. We don't have to worry about the bills. And increasingly, and, and I'm giving away my, my age here a little bit, but I watch my daughter and her family and all of the other young families that come to our church. I mean, they're giving their, off their phones. Correct. I mean, they're, they're pulling up the QR code, they're scanning on it, and they're giving. And if you don't do that, you're missing out on the opportunity to really engage the way at least two or three different generations is normative for them to right. give. Right. Now, nowadays, one of the highest ways folks give in our platform, if you look at other than just online, is text to give. And our text-to-give structure, yes, the first time we get them into the system, we got to ask all those questions and get a card. But the second time they text-give, it goes through in about eight seconds. They get a text receipt and email receipt. There is no username or password. And it's the church's dedicated text number that they can use for text marketing 
as well. So wow. it's a centralized type of system. And these other features came because churches asked. And that to us is listening to what y'all need to do ministry has put us where we are growth-wise. Right. So I think I know the answer to this, but I want you to say it so that people listening in can be reassured. Text to give is completely safe. Absolutely. So it's not going off of your credit card bill or anything like that, like some things did back in the day. You have a card of record that's tokenized in our system. We don't even store the card data on the software. It's up in the cloud. It's encrypted. So whether you log in through our system on the website to give, or if you give via text, it's using the same token that's stored in the software that was given to us by the gateway up in the cloud. And that, that gateway is encrypted and secured. So the tokens mean nothing if somebody broke into our system because it doesn't do them any good. Right. Okay. It's, it's totally secure. So I want to pivot a little bit because you raised the question of text advertising, text communication. So let's imagine a congregation went with text to give and people are starting to do that. They could turn around and leverage that same system for communicating throughout their congregation. Is that correct? Correct. So in our system, it's a response. So they could text in keywords. So, so if they wanted to text in a youth camp, you could have a can answer that comes back and says, hey, thanks for wanting more information about youth camp. Click here. And it takes them to the youth camp registration page. Okay. okay. It's not so much a two-way communication like texting live, right. but it is a correspondence. Anytime they text in a keyword in our system, it will actually add that phone number to that keyword text list. So you could have everybody on the staff text in staff. Well, if you ever need to go in and send a text blast out to the staff, you can go in, get to that list, and then send a message out to them. Same thing on church. A lot of churches will have people, hey, look, text in church. You're going to be in the church list, and if we have an incremental day and we're going to close the doors, not only are we going to be sending emails, we're going to send a text blast out. Okay, so you're a southern guy, so you don't have to deal with this problem. But up north, you've got snow times, sure. right? So if the church was had to cancel or postpone because of snow, they could just send it out via text. Correct. If the church will set that list up and everybody will text in the word church, it'll add them to the list automatically. All right. And then anybody else who wants to get added later, it's not a big deal. So Advent and Christmas are coming up, right? And let's just sure. imagine a church is like, well, we're going to put all of our information about the Christmas season up. And you just say simply text Christmas Correct. to this. And they would get that information. And anytime that information was updated, it would automatically send them those texts. They could set it up that way, or they could text in Christmas and it, would, it could give them a hyperlink straight to the web page that stays updated all the time. Okay. So there's multiple ways to do it. Yeah. So if I'm in a, a church where I don't have that kind of technological savvy to be able to pull this all off, you guys supply the support for them to Correct. do that. Correct. And it's not that difficult. Churches can use it, and even the smallest of churches can utilize it to communicate with. It was a big communication tool during COVID. Right. So a lot of churches weren't using it. But they had it, and then when they realized, hey, we're not meeting in person anymore, emails only get open like, what, 20% of the time, but texts get open 80, 85% of the time, they started doing more text communication about updates with the church, what's going on, if the doors are open or closed, when they're going to have any kind of special services for whatever, and, and it was great. So they grasped it 
at that moment. And they've just really been using it a lot. Yeah. And there's a lot of things about the pandemic that we all kind of look back on and, you know, we grieve and lament because so many things changed that there's a great sense of loss among people, but it also opened us up to a whole bunch of new possibilities and it kind of forced us into doing some things that maybe we wouldn't have done otherwise. And the way the Gen Z and the millennials communicate, I call my kids on the phone, they never answer. I mean, my kids are, the youngest one's 25 and the oldest one's 34. None of them answer their phones, but they all text. Yeah, they answer, I'll text you back. That's right, that's right. Or they give me the meme eye roll thing because you're calling me. What are you doing calling me when you should be texting me? So if someone says, okay, we want to think about reaching or, or better connecting with these other younger generations. And we realize that the texting is kind of the, the intuitive way that they do it, the air that they breathe, the water that they swim in way of communicating. And we're not really doing that well. We need someone to talk us through how we could do that. That's a, a service you guys could help sure. them with. Absolutely. I'm in my fifties and I've got folks that well, uh, you're, you're a young guy. Yeah. Well, you're texting with grandkids if you have them nowadays, right. okay? And if you're in your 60s, you've even got, they're just back and forth. So it's common amongst all generations for the most part. We even had a guy, this is crazy. I had a church in Texas call me up and she goes, I got to tell you this. And I was like, what's that? She goes, we had an 80 year old guy text give $1,500 on a flip phone. <laughs> and I said, well, hold on. Was this a smart flip phone? She goes, no, it was old school flip phone. And he called just to be sure it went through. And she goes, yeah, and did you mean to give $1,500? She thought maybe it meant 150 Right. And he goes, no, no, I meant to give 1500 And he goes, I'm going to have to teach my daughter how to do this. It, <laughs> and I just about lost it. And I said, right. and he was using a dumb phone. Right. And she goes, yeah. Yeah. She goes, that's what got me all riled up was it wasn't even like your iPhone or, or your Android or anything. Right, right. Well, what are some of the other services you guys provide, Stephen? Online giving is a big one, and there's Correct. huge benefit to the church. We've talked about that in terms of cost savings, money, more money available for gospel ministry. We've talked a little bit now about the kind of texting components, but are there other features that you guys offer? So the text giving goes one more step out, and we actually have a chat bot that is a way to fill out custom forms basically. And you use the text number to do that. So they can actually fill out a form to register for an event. And at the end of it, if they're in our system, they can make a payment for that event or a donation. Or if they're not, they'll click the button and it'll take them to get them into the system. Okay. okay. So you have folks using the chat bot for things such as they'll text in guest. And the chat bot will come up and say, hey, thanks for visiting with us today. Whatever verbiage the church wants. And then it'll ask, we'd love to have an opportunity to follow up with you. And it'll ask for their name. They text it in. It asks for their last name, their email address. We've already got their phone number. And then as soon as they're done, it can actually set up a follow-up text a day or two later. Wow. Okay. Or it can go in and trigger in your church management software an actual workflow. So if you already have a first-time guest workflow in your church management software where it's going to send a pastor an email from the pastor, and then a few weeks it does something else and then something else, well, we can go and trigger those for you from this guest form, and we'll push this data into the church management software if they're not already in there or match it. So it's all automated. I do a little bit of work up front working with you guys to kind of set that up, but then things like follow-up and assimilation in terms of tracking people who are visiting your church, this helps you facilitate that. Sure. 
Sure. It's all about doing church easier Yeah, for the congregation and for the staff. Right. So a good example is uh, the first church that really used it in a large manner had 529 people on Easter Sunday text in the keyword hope because they had accepted Christ. Wow. Okay. They answered the questions. It went right into the database. And before they left the pew, they had an email from the pastor on how that church could be there to walk with them on their next journey, the beginning of their journey. Wow. And then it triggered an email, out, another text out on Wednesday that was a follow-up. But what happened was this. Think about if you got 529 pieces of paper, how long your staff would take to put it in the computer. And if you could read them, it was win, 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 win. It cost them 60 bucks in texting fees to do that. And they were doing ministry on Monday morning. Mm. They weren't waiting a week for data entry. Right. Ministry was happening immediately and 69 bucks versus someone's salary for a week. Right. I love the fact that you guys, and, and, and I probably should have asked you this up front, Stephen, in terms of your organization's mission statement, but I love the fact that you're looking for ways to serve the church so the church can carry out its mission. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So we are here to serve evangelical Christian churches and, and nonprofits. We've been offered to do things outside of that realm. We just feel like this is where God's given us our skills. We weren't called to be ministers, but this is a way we can use our abilities to broaden and increase the, the gospel and, and help folks get saved. Yeah, but I mean, I saw the animation and you pick up when you talked about the 529 people oh. filling that out and saying ministry starts on Monday morning. And then you have a follow-up email. You could send out like a discipleship plan. You could send yeah. out like devotional materials. You could send out all kinds of ways in which you could be purposefully intentional about following up on those commitments. Because it's one thing to text hope and say, okay, I just made a commitment to Christ. It's another thing to have in a timely manner follow-up and resources placed in their hands where they have the opportunity to really do something with that faith. Right. So I've been in sales for, for 30 years from everything from investments to insurance and, and, and this. And, you know, the number one thing when you would ever sell somebody something, it, let's just say a life insurance policy, they're going to have buyer's remorse. And then that one family member's going to come get in their ear. You don't need that. Well, what do you think happens when you accept Christ? The fact that ministry is happening Monday morning, they could be called by the pastor, or the campus pastor. This is a big mega church, and they had you know thirteen locations. Campus pastor was following up with them on a phone call Monday morning, before someone can get in their ear, letting them know that the decision they made is right. Maybe even giving them what they need to combat what Satan's going to do through someone else's mouth. I was just going to say in that gap, that's where the evil one can come in and place doubt and, Oh, this is an emotional decision or they can start second guessing themselves on that. So the timeliness and the follow up that you guys are able to help facilitate that is huge. It is. And I'll never forget watching that, that morning coming back and they're, they're an hour ahead of us. And I was just like, Oh my, I never, I never, understood the impact yeah. and how quick it was going to happen and how fast everything flowed. And then talking to the financial officer and the IT guy and, and then what was happening the next day, you're like, wow, this, this is more than we thought it would be. Yeah. And then it's all integrated with the church management software. Nobody's doing any data entry. The person texting in 
You're saving time, energy, and resources there too. Yeah. yeah. So it's wonderful. Awesome. And it's used for everything. Okay. Volunteer, sign up, all sorts of stuff. All right. So I think you guys are maybe coming to our general assembly next summer and see if we can't get you guys a little bit of a platform where people can come and meet you in person. But if online, they wanted to learn more about onlinegiving.org, where would they go to find you? Well, onlinegiving.org is a website and there's several things up at the top of the page. We have church management softwares. If you click on integrations, it'll show you all the different softwares we're integrated with. And if you click on their logo, you can read about how deeply integrated we are with the software that that church might use. We do about 14 integrations. We do have integrations with Salesforce for nonprofits and QuickBooks, things like that. And then they can always schedule a demo on the website. Although any of the product line they're under, it'll say schedule a demo and it'll give them the calendar and the times. There's a number up there they can call and we'll be glad to talk with them and just see if we're a good fit. One of our biggest things is this, is we don't believe in contracts. I think the person handing you a contract's the one that'll benefit, so we don't do them. We're month to month. With that said, we have a very high retention ratio because I think that's the fairest playing field to be on. I've been on the other side of a contract and didn't like it. So that's one of the biggest things that we do and, and just keeping it very simple and clean and hey, if we're not the right fit, Godspeed. Yeah. You're free to go. Our database is Salesforce. And one of the reasons why we were able to connect with you is you not only simplified some of our automated systems, you integrated with Salesforce and saved us money. (laughs) So those are win-win-wins for us. And I would say if anybody listening wants to learn more or want to hear about an in-house perspective, you're welcome to reach out to the Office of the General Assembly and speak with our CFO, Pat Quilio. He'd be happy to talk to you about our migration to using online giving. And if you want to learn the technical sides of that and how that works in terms of a database, you could reach out to Scott Blanchett, our IT lead, and he could talk to you about how we did that. Or you could just simply go to onlinegiving.org and play around on their website and ask more questions and see how they could possibly serve your church to better achieve your mission. And of course, the mission of the EPC is that we exist to carry out the great commission of Jesus. And this is a servant organization to help us do just that. Amen. So Stephen, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for all that you do. Great that you're here resourcing some of our executive and administrative pastors and look forward to getting to know you more in the days to come. Thanks. All right. Well, my friends, I hope this has been a real practical help to you. And if you're in a church where you think this couldn't apply to us, honestly, you do no harm by checking it out, just learning more, getting better educated. Wouldn't you like to have more financial resources available to do gospel ministry? Wouldn't you love to see a response rate to people who signed up for your events or came to Christ have that kind of immediate impact on their lives. All of those things from people who love the Lord, who are desiring to serve the church and help the church to be able to achieve its mission. And so we encourage you to consider going to onlinegiving.org and checking that out. All right, my friends. Well, that concludes our conversation for today, and we hope it's been a blessing and encouragement to you. If it has, would you like us on social and maybe to share on Facebook or Instagram or wherever you are online and, and pass word of mouth along to others as well. Maybe even pass this on to the the finance committee of your church so that they can become familiar with how this could be a blessing to your congregation. All right, my friends, as we often do, we close with a good word from God's word, just as a reminder to take this word into the rest of our day as an encouragement from Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things 
were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and they're for him. You see, he is before all things and in him all things hold together for he is the head of the body, the church. Until the next time when we gather in this venue to have yet another conversation, I bid you, my friends, grace and peace to you. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of the entire team, please join us for our next episode. For more information about the EPC, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.